Come on. Strong, the powerful Chris Herbershawn has returned to Money Savage. Welcome back, Chris. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me back on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Chris is a CPA. He's a CVA, a virtual CFO for marketing and creative agencies. I'm excited to have you back on. Chris, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, so I'm really excited to be back on, so I appreciate you having me. A little bit about me personally. So like you said, I'm a virtual CFO uh, for marketing and creative agencies. That's what I do uh, for work. (laughs) Um, let's see I've got uh, a married wife three kids um, ages seven five and five so we've got twins Uh, and why I do what I do basically I just you know had a moment several years ago before I went out and started doing this full-time that I wanted to help small businesses grow and you know I've totally bought into this mantra that every business is a small business and a family business so you know when you're growing a business it's going to impact those around you and those that you love and you know, I like being part of that journey and just feeling like I can help entrepreneurs grow their business and help their families and, you know, create that legacy. So um, that's certainly the big picture. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's why I do what I do. I love it. So we are having this conversation. This is actually February the 1st um, of 2021. What's, uh, what's, what's top of mind for you right now? Yeah, so otherwise known as like March 340th of 2020, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but top, yeah, but top of mind for me, you know, getting through tax season, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. As you said, it's February 1st right now as we're recording this. Uh, so getting through tax season is going to be a big one, making sure that our clients have the experience that, you know, they want and that they deserve and that they're being served well. That's always top of mind right around this time of year. That's a big one. Apart from that, uh, growing our firm, is certainly top of mind, um, both from a, a client numbers perspective and then also just getting better at what we do. There's some technology that we're looking at and that we're also implementing uh, very much, you know, automation focused, no code focused. Uh, I think that that's going to be the big, next big wave of automation and technology. So those are kind of the things that I'm looking at and thinking about and working on right now. What is no code focused? No code focus, meaning that you can implement some sort of technology or automation without actually having to write code. A a great example, which a lot of people are familiar with, would be Zapier. Okay. And and I am not one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, So basically, Zapier, for those who are are not familiar, um, I'll I'll give you an example from, from from my world. Let's say we use Google Sheets to do calculations and you know, some number crunching and, and things like that. And let's also say that we use QuickBooks Online. Well, let's say that we wanted to do some number crunching and then we wanted to send you know, that number from Google Sheets to QuickBooks in the form of an invoice or a journal entry or something like that. Uh, Zapier, you could set that up to do it. Like you could set it up on a schedule where every night at 11 o'clock or something like that, it looks at a particular cell on a particular Google sheet and then creates a journal entry in QuickBooks based on, on that. So connecting things that have APIs, things that are cloud-based services, uh, cloud-based software, connecting those things in a way that's programmatic without actually having to sit down and write Python or JavaScript or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, 
So, you know, those are becoming more popular. Certainly we use them in our business, but, uh, you know, there's a whole ecosystem that's evolving and evolving very, very rapidly around no code. Um, that's just really, really interesting and really, really cool. And, um, you know, I think before too long, we're going to end up with a whole generation of folks who are building a lot of really cool things without ever actually having written a lot of, line of code, which is really cool. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's interesting. I mean, this episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. I know very little about coding, yet I think that I do a, a, a little bit of it, just in different aspects of, of websites and just stuff that that, 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 that that we're doing when we're doing business online. Um, and so mm-hmm. it certainly makes sense that, that there are probably really smart people who can try to figure out, okay, George really doesn't need to be spending the amount of time he's trying to, to spending um, doing what little bit of code he's already doing. So I bet that there's a way for us to do that. And I'm sure that that's what a lot of your clients are, I don't want to say they're struggling with, but they certainly time is extremely valuable. So how can you help free them up to make more money? Yes. Yes, exactly. Part of it is, is internal where we are trying to deliver a better product or better service, you know, as, as it were, um, to our clients and the way to do that partially, you know, I've always felt this way is through automation because automation puts guardrails around quality and then it also speeds up the amount of time that it takes. So if you're thinking about, um, closing the books in two or three days so that we have really good information to make decisions off of versus closing the books in 20 days, there's a big, and the data is now stale. There's a really big difference there. Um, so we put processes in place. Again, the vast majority of it's no code that allows us to close the books faster and with greater accuracy. And when there are problems, we're bubbling those up during the course of the month proactively and the client doesn't see any of that. You know, that's, that's, that's for us. On the flip side of that, uh, we, j- we actually just signed a client a couple weeks ago and one of their big problems was trying to do reconciliations for paid media. And it's a huge pain point for them. It takes up a ton of time. There's no value add. You know, it's something that they, that their clients need, but there's really no value add for their clients. And so it's one of those things like, how do we speed up the amount of time that it takes us so that it's more and less painful? And then number two, that the client has a better experience. So we're working with that or, or on that with them, uh, which is, which is going to be a cool pro- uh, project. But that's, you know, that's the kind of things that I think, you know, we can do with automation and specifically no code because it, it speeds up the time to even implement that, uh, that automation. Automation puts guardrails around quality. I, I, I like that a lot. What, how, how does that, tell me a little bit more about that. How does it put guardrails around quality? Um, so if I were to go back in, in, in time, uh, in, to a different life, uh, when I was in corporate accounting, uh, well, actually, I'll take you back even further. When I went from forensic accounting to corporate accounting, um, and actually the day that when I gave my notice that I was leaving forensic accounting, the partner in the office said to me, you know, I don't think you're going to like it. It's like being a mouse on a wheel. Hmm. And what that means, what, what she meant by that is like, it's like the same thing every single month. You're closing the books and then you close the books again next month and you just kind of do the same thing every, every single month and whatever. Uh, as it turns out, like I really liked, liked that. <laughs> and we still do it. So, you know, obviously I like it, but 
um, when you know when you've got these processes where you're trying to close the books, and if you were to have if you were to have to do these calculations every single every single month, right? Um, you know, maybe you're tired one day when you're doing it and, you know, your mind slips and you just, you know, whatever you, you've got, a, you're punching in data and you punch in a wrong number, you transpose a number. And then all of a sudden the downstream impact of that is, you know, you've got a problem and you don't find it for another two weeks because that's when you're reconciling and, and things like that. And so you, you ended up with inaccurate financial statements. I mean, that is entirely possible to happen. So the, in, in my world, when you're punching data manually and when you're entering data on a keypad, um, that's the, the biggest risk for, for mistakes. I mean, it, they just happen. Uh, you, you can't get around that. It's human error. It happens. Well, if you're, if you can automate a lot of the data entry, and then if you can also build a process on the back of that, which reconciles in an automated way so that the you know, computer is just going through a number of steps that are, that you're, you've already told it to, and it's doing it in a formulaic way, and you know that if it does it this way, that it's going to work. It removes all of the human element of that where, you know, you have the potential to key in some wrong data, and then maybe you miss something on a reconciliation. Um, it happens, right? But if you can automate that, then it get, gets rid of that risk. So that's a good example of how it kind of builds guardrails around quality control. Yeah, I, I love it. Just frees up your ability to be focused on, on, on the things that you need to be focused on and the other stuff doesn't bleed over into it. So nice. Yep. I imagine exactly. that, that, that everything that, that I remember we talked about last time and that what you're helping your clients with now with making sure that they have accurate information and accurate numbers and, and clean books so that they can actually start to use that information to, 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 to look into the future, at least as, as, as best we can. That's really, uh, it's, I, I guess, a testimony to the importance of that because then you're able to to look and decide and make decisions about implementing some of these new technologies or new processes, which is what you're sort of going through and probably will be for a long time as, as, as you continue to grow. So my question there was, um, how, how do your more successful clients go about making those kinds of decisions about when it's time to be implementing a new software or program or whatever it might be. It usually comes from a pain point. It usually comes from a place of pain. Um, you know, they've, they've gotten burned by something in the past and they realize that they've got a pain point or there's a decision that they're looking to make, but that they can't because they just don't have the information or they do have the information, but it's not timely or if they just can't trust the numbers, you know, they've had a bad experience for some reason, they, you know, they, they relied on a number and it was wrong. Usually it comes from a, from a place of pain where they're looking for a better solution. It, um, it doesn't often come from, a, from a proactive place when it comes, comes to accounting, unfortunately, which is what I found. Like, you know, a lot of, and you know, that's natural too, right? I mean, a lot of business owners with the exception of CPAs who own CPA firms are not accountants and haven't had that experience of, of knowing what's possible and what's out there and the way that things should look. So, you know, a lot of times they got to learn the hard way. Um, you know, the fortunate, the fortunate ones had accounting in, in, in college and, you know, had several classes of it and kind of know what they're looking for. But, you know, the vast majority of business owners got into the to business because they like the work that they do or they know how to do the work that they do, not because they want to be accountants or know about accounting. Um, so usually it comes from a place of, of pain where they had a bad experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? As as businesses grow and, and, and they evolve, and it's do you see 
that that people can start responding more from a proactive standpoint once they get through a lot of that pain, or is it just going to be growing pains at every stage of growth? I don't think I don't think it's going to be growing pains at every stage of growth. Uh, certainly in the early days, for sure. As you get bigger, though, you surround yourself with more people who have more expertise and more varied expertise. And I think at that point, it becomes a lot easier to to pinpoint where you need to go and what you need in order to get there because these people are bringing in, you know, it's marketing people and it's, you know, having a CFO and it's having an operations manager and it's um, having people who have worked in other places and seen what good looks like, but also have seen what bad looks like. And, you know, they can bring all of those things into the fray and kind of point out like, this is where we're going and it's either a good path or a not path and we need to correct course or not. Um, so I think it becomes a little bit easier as you get larger, but certainly, um, you know, at a certain level, you've got to start worrying about bureaucracy and how information flows around the organization, um, because that can kind of tamper the benefit that you get from that. But, um, you know, I, I would say if I had to pick one, it becomes a little bit easier, um, as you get a little bit larger to be a little bit more proactive. That's interesting, right? It's like, how do we... Obviously, we, we uh, well, it, it's not obvious. If an organization is interested in growing, and not, 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 not all are. There's solopreneurs out there who just want to do their thing and have a great living, and that's incredible. And then there's probably those that, 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 that do want to grow, but probably the worst thing that they could ever imagine would be being some huge organization with just layers of bureaucracy and, and waste and everything else. So just a matter of sort of maybe finding that sweet spot. I don't know if there's a question in there somewhere, but it's, I guess, a maturation process for, for any entrepreneur. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And what we try to tell our clients is start with the end in mind for that exact reason. So what, you know, and that starts with a conversation with your financial advisor. So what, and here's why. So the question is, what do you need to sell your business for, exit your business for, have saved up over some period of time in order for you to basically just go off and do something else or do nothing or retire or whatever that looks like for you. What does that look like from a dollar perspective? Then how do you work your way back? So if you want to own like five boats and an island in the Caribbean, then you need to have scaled a much larger organization than you know, if you just want to retire comfortably and, you know, have a house in Florida and play golf every day and, you know, just do that for 10 or 20 years and, and that's where you are in life. Those are very different conversations and those need to work backwards um, to what you need to sell the business for, which needs to work backwards to where the business is right now and how large you are right now and uh, what products and services you sell right now and how much cash flow you need to get out of the business between here and there and, you know, then you can start thinking about, well, I'm going to need this many people and we're going to have to have revenue of this size. We're going to have to have um, expenses of this in order to get to a profitability and cash flow of this. And you can kind of work your way forward from there. But that's the way that we think about it. Um, begin with the end of mind. And I think that's one of the seven habits of highly successful people. Uh, great book, by the way. <clears throat> but it's true. And that's that's where I would start. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense. When 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 you're going through that conversation with with your clients do does I'm sure that that excites some of them. And then some of them are like, Oh my God, I can't even imagine going through a process like that. But like, I suppose that that's, 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 that's why they work with you. Exactly. And some <laughs> of them are terrified by it and some of them love it and want that kind of clarity. It really just depends. 
Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, right? And at some level, if, if you ever hope to 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 get to that end result, that's the kind of clarity that you really need, because then you can track. And without being able to track, then you don't know if, if you're actually moving towards where you want to go. Exactly, exactly. And measuring that over time consistently and understanding um, where you are relative to that track. And sometimes the track changes. Like, hey, you know, I'm five years into this. I just realized that I don't want, you know, 100-person agency or 200-person agency. And that's just not what I want. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Um, so, you know, correct course. But, you know, you got to be tracking against something in order to figure out whether or not you're on track or off track. Right. And to figure out what you're trying to track against, you need to figure out, you know, what you want to get out of life and what you want to get out of the business that you own and, you know, legacy and all those sorts of things. So got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, Chris, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? A difference making tip. Um, I would say focus. Be focused on, on what you do, why you do it, who you do it for. Um, focused on where you're trying to get to, that would be the difference-making tip. Um, the clients that we work with that are that are most successful are focused. And in fact, we we say that they focus on two things, cash flow, number one, and having a business plan. And the business plan gets into the mission, vision, values, and, and where you're trying to get to and what you're trying to do and who you're trying to do it for. So just kind of a different way to think about, <clears throat> you know, what I just said at the beginning of that statement. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Yeah, thanks, George. Appreciate it. Um, always a great chat. So to learn more about us, betterwaycpa.com is the website. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere, um, either at Better Way CPA or Chris Arvishon. Perfect. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Chris your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to betterwaycpa.com. Go to chrishervishon.com. Find him on social media. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.